Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Movie Digest. I'm JQ. And I'm Finn. And this week is our top five road trip films. So I was down in Cornwall last week. Um, I think Finn did a good job in sinking the two of us up together. It didn't sound too bad, did it? No, it didn't sound too bad. So um, I had a nice long road trip to get back home. Six hours in the car with the mother-in-law. Lovely. Lovely. And, and uh, as well as your my good wife, lady wife and your two children. And my two children, which was wonderful. Wonderful. We'll uh, skip over that part. Um, so I thought it'd be a good idea to do our favourite road trip films. Who's going first? Uh, I, I think I've gone first the last two weeks, so you can go oh, first. I'll go first. Hopefully yeah. I, won't, I can talk about mine without you uh, interrupting me and saying, I've already seen that. Right, number five. Yeah. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Okay, yeah. we've got a crossover already. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> great, um, great film. Brilliant film. Uh, Johnny Depp was amazing in it. Completely, he was Huntress Thompson, almost. Have you ever seen any interviews with Huntress Thompson? Yes, I have, yeah. Just like, That's just Johnny Depp, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the first films I took my wife on a date with. No way. Uh, it's the first night she met my parents, so it holds a special place in my heart. Wow. I can't really think of any other film that might be more bizarre or less appropriate to see for a first date movie. I was saying when we went to see Star Trek, we were past the theatre, the cinema we saw, we won tickets. Yeah. Or oh, I won tickets. I think it was a Radio 1 competition or something. I, no it was before the internet, so I don't know how I won the tickets or anything. <laughs> it certainly wasn't an email. Very strange. Um, yeah, the story of, I suppose it's Huntress Thompson's goes to cover the, some sort of rally, isn't it, in the desert? Yeah, and just goes on this massive drug-fueled yeah. binge with his lawyer. Yeah. Who's played by Benicio Del Toro. Dr. Gonzo. Dr. No? Gonzo. Is it? Yeah. Looks completely different from his portrayal of the thug in uh, The Living Daylights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I'm sure he's best remembered for. It is one of the most mental films I've ever seen in my life. And it's before sort of CG really kicked off. So it's all this sort of in-camera crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And because I'm a massive fan of Terry Gilliam films mm-hmm. anyway, but... You, you watch it back through and you're like, I had no idea that like Tobey Maguire's in it and like, yeah. there's tons of these amazing cameos. Yeah. Is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers not in it at one point I as well? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, Christina Ricci and oh, this vast cast. Cameron Diaz is in it as well yeah. for a bit. It's one of those movies as well. There's like no real middle ground, I don't think, with Fear and Loathing. You either love it or you hate it. Yeah. Like it's not something you, love that it you can you watch. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um <laughs> But I remember like when I was a student and I was I worked part-time in Virgin Megastores, God rest its soul, um, <laughs> when I was a student. And it was at the time when I was just really getting into film and I was around a lot of people that were a bit older. So I'd yeah. ask them for recommendations of what to watch and stuff. And there were certain films that just kept coming up over and over again. So like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Shawshank Redemption, Chopper, Fight Club, all these great cult films. Well, apart from Ferris Bueller, I absolutely hate that movie, but... Um, Fear and Loathing was another one, but everybody, almost to a T, said, watch it when you're either a bit drunk or take, have taken drugs, because it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those movies that you can do. Take I had that. neither of those. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, but I've, I've never I've never been a drugs user at all, so the, I went for the alcohol option. So yep. it was actually, I think I'd seen this film about seven or eight times before I'd watched it in a relative state of sobriety. Um, and it was weird because it was a completely different <laughs> film. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's just so mental and like visual, like you're saying, without the CGI stuff and just unique. It's it's an incredible movie, quite dark in, in a lot of parts as well. Mm. You can guess that from the title. But 
Um, and, and there's certain scenes as well that are a little bit uncomfortable to watch, especially towards the end when they get into some real hot water. But the vast majority of it is just strangely hilarious and vastly intriguing. Yeah. It visually looks good as well. Yeah. So number four. Yes. Planes, trains and automobiles. Good choice. It's not on my list. Not on your list. Um, <laughs> it's one of those classic road trip films really, isn't it? Um, Steve Martin and John Candy. Candy yeah. God rest his soul. Yes. <laughs> I should have researched this a little bit more because I can't remember the premise of the film, but essentially Steve Martin's <laughs> trying to get back home, isn't he? I think it's Thanksgiving and Steve mm. Martin is trying to fly home to his family yeah. to be there for Thanksgiving. But I think it's because it's so snowy or something like that, all the flights are cancelled. So he just tries to find another way out and it's basically at every step of the way, yeah. it's blocked by some other... Idiot. Uh, well, some sort of circumstance that happens. And he ends up befriending, in, I think in the airport, this uh, guy... Uh, played by John John Candy, and the two of them set off on this unlikely road trip to try and get back home to their respective families for mm. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but then there's things that happen along the way that bring them closer together, drive them farther apart. You learn things about both of their characters and stuff. It's an incredibly sweet film, I think, towards the end. That's not a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> um, when there's some point where they almost crashed a car and he, his fingers get stuck in the dashboard and he tries to prize them out. <laughs> I think there's another bit, it's not a bit where John Candy burns the car that they're travelling in as well. <laughs> yeah. Who was the director on that, do you remember? Is uh, it John? It's not John Landis, is it? No, it might have been John Hughes. <clears throat> I'm pretty yeah. sure it was John Hughes. He definitely wrote the script, but I yeah. don't know if he directed it. I think he did. It's a very John Hughes type film. So that's number th- four. Number three, Beavis and Butthead do America. It's another good choice. <laughs> is, it, is it a crossover? No. No? Oh, no. Good. Yeah, first time the animated characters came to the big screen. It's probably a little bit before your time, wasn't it, Beavis and Butthead? Well, I remember from like the older kids at high school, because we, we never had MTV growing yeah. up, but the older kids at high school who whose parents could afford it, um, <laughs> and they talked about it all the time. So but it was one of those things, when it did come out in the cinema, I think it was 11, so it was a real thing to go and see Beavis and Butthead, because that was a 12. Right. To get into that. And everybody in her class saw it. So I went to see it. I didn't really know much about it. And it's a bit bizarre. Like, if you don't know the characters, yeah, it's a bit of a surreal movie. Yeah, but you definitely there's a lot need to know of them quotable lines and stuff. Right? Yeah, it's a brilliant film. Um, the animation was really good compared to the, the original cartoon, because it's quite flat, the cartoon. It's good, but it wasn't as good as the film. The, the soundtrack, that... the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They did that. That was just great sound. But... Because they obviously growing up when I when we finally got Sky and we were watching MTV, MTV was not music television, it was no. all these ridiculous reality TV shows. It yep. only got good about 10 o'clock at night when Jackass came on, yeah. But so Beavis and Butthead used to present music videos, the, the music videos yeah. that were coming on, yeah. But they'd be would they be individual every day? No, when I was watching it, it was only bits of music videos, they intercut the show with them watching the telly. Okay. And talking about the music videos. Right, okay. <clears throat> so it wasn't actually introducing a music video per yeah. se. They cut back to their house and they were watching Megadeth or something. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, number two. Dumb and Dumber. It's good as well. It's not on my list. What? I, no. was, I just assumed <laughs> that would be on your list. Definitely one of my favourite road trip films. It, it is phenomenal. It's just, it's so... I, I don't know if it, it's kind of... I hold it in such high esteem because it was one of those films I had on VHS when I was a kid and I watched it like so many times I could quote any of the lines from it (laughs) Um, and there were certain parts of it which you don't understand as a kid but when you go back and watch it you're like oh wow right I never had any idea what that meant Yeah. Um, 
is so stupidly funny, but I think it's because the, of how good the two lead roles are. Yep. Because the Firely Brothers ended up doing um, Stuck on You, which is the one where Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon are Siamese twins. I haven't seen that. And pretty much every movie after that's just gone way downhill. They've not been funny. They're not very good. But Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels are just fantastic uh, as, as Lloyd and Harry. What do you think about this planned sequel they're doing? Is it going to have the two of them in it? Apparently. I, I, I'd be on board with that. I mean, they've already kind of like messed up trying to do, was it Dumb and Dumber or, or yeah. whatever it was. And Harry met. Yeah. So, I mean, Lloyd. that's already happened. So I can't see how a sequel mm. could be any worse than that. So There you go. And my number one, Ooh. The Blues Brothers. Oh, great film. <laughs> great film. One of my all-time favorite films. I remember watching this as a kid because... All the swearing in it was a bit... Ooh, he's actually said that. Um, there's some great stuff in there. Um, well, not least the soundtrack. I mean, the soundtrack is incredible. James Brown in there doing his sort of soul singing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the bit... Uh, have you seen... You've obviously seen it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. The bit where they, the nun's at the top of the stairs and then she, <laughs> she just sort of wheels backwards <laughs> and the door slams shut. That's amazing. And there's a few cutscenes in the DVD where... They park the car up under a sort of um, electricity generator to sort of imply that that's where it gets its sort of magical powers from. Oh, okay. Because it can jump really high. And yeah, yeah. Illinois Nazis. <laughs> is um, Bill Murray's not in it at any point, is he? Don't think so, no. That's no, just James Belushi. Well, because John Belushi was meant to be in, um, Ghostbusters, in Ghostbusters originally, yeah. and then yeah. they kind of changed it all um, after he, he died. Because Eddie Murphy was meant to play Winston in it. Yes. Apparently, you know the hall at the end where they do their last show? Yes. But they've knocked that down now. I heard that. Was it not because it caught fire or something? Something like that, yeah. It burned down and then they just demolished it yeah. instead of rebuilding it. So it was a bit a shame. of a shame. It was followed up by a pretty poor sequel. Yeah. Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame. Kind As of. most films are these days, yeah. though, you know. Apart from Batman. Yeah. And the Avengers. Wow. And Star Trek. Well, reserve judgment on Avengers for the two <laughs> That's That's my top five. It's good. It's good. Yep. I thought because I thought we'd have one crossover, which would have been Fear and Loathing, but the rest of them have purposely tried to stay away from the ones because otherwise we would have had the same list. Are these French foreign so, films I've never heard of? No, 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 not 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 all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what I tried to do is I spec- I tried to pick movies that were specifically based in cars for a decent chunk of the movie. So I've ruled out things like The Road, The Book of Eli and The Hangover, which might have been close to the list Mm. because while they may be construed as road movies and that the character travels or goes on a great trek, they're either not in cars or, uh, you know, they're traveling by foot or uh, the cars are only for a certain part of it and then the rest of the adventure happens while they're at the place. That's why you wouldn't let me include Die Hard because he only arrives in a car. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have Die Hard. (laughs) As much as you'd try. And also, I tried to leave off as many as I could of, of the kind of comedic ones. So it was like, uh, I was close to putting on Dumb and Dumber, Cannonball Run, uh, Blues Brothers, Rat Race. And another one that I considered, although I would never put it on a list, is the aptly titled but absolutely dire Road Trip. Have you seen Road um, Trip? I would have fired you if you put that on there. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. So, to kick it all off, mm-hmm. number five is a Spanish film called Y Tu Mama Tambien. I haven't seen that. That's a bit of a show, that way. <laughs> it, it's this movie from about... I, I, I think the translation something like And Your Mother Too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, but uh, it, it's from about... I think it's about 2000, 2001. And I, before I watched it, I, I knew absolutely nothing of it whatsoever. I got it as part of like a world cinema box set with like two or three other films um, in a sale. 
and it just it completely blew me away. It's um it's pretty full on. It's quite dark, so it's, it's like an eighteen and worth every right. minute of of an eighteen type film. And um, so it stars Gail Garcia Bernal, who's in like the Motorcycle Diaries and the Science of Sleep and a couple of other movies. I think he's done one or two English language films. But yeah, he's in an advert for Gillette at the moment as well. Okay, so it stars him and Diego Luna as like these two young best friends, really immature boys, who have like the secret set of rules that they they lo- they live by, which almost entirely revolve around sex nice. and um, exploring sex as much as they can while they're still young and stuff. Can't think um, why you like this film. No, no, no. But hear me out. I'm just not just for the crass reasons that might right. first be <laughs> be there. They decide at this this family event. They've both got girlfriends, but they decide at this family event. I think they've had a couple of beers or a glass of wine or something like that to try and seduce this older woman, the two of them, right? Uh, and try and convince her into going on a road trip with them while the two girlfriends are away traveling, so that they can get the three of them can travel down to this beach that they've heard of that may or may not exist. And to their complete astonishment, she says yes, and so this unlikely trio set off on on this road trip. I'm not going to give anything else away from that because um, kind of spoil it. But at the end of the movie, certain things are revealed. All is not as it seems at the start of the road trip. There are massive revelations for both of the boys and the woman that kind of rise to the surface. And the, the relationship between the, these two best friends is tested to the absolute limit. And I, I'm not saying that like all's not what it seems in, in terms of like it's a horror or it's a serial killer movie or something like that. It's, and then they woke up. No, no, no. It's it's nothing like that. It's just it's more an exploration of of real life of of youth and of life and death and exploring sex and growing up and becoming an adult and all these different kind of things. So that's number five for me. It's well nice. worth the, the watch if you've never seen it. Uh, number four is a film called Broken Flowers. I've heard the name. It, it's a Bill Murray film and. In, in in my mind, probably... Is it the one where he looks for the kid of his... Some woman's got a... Kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a good basically. film, that. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I good. have seen that. There you go. Uh, I think it's one of his most cruelly mm. overlooked ones because I remember seeing it cinema. I went to see it three times in the cinema. What? I just... I absolutely did you have got those three cinema pass? I did, and it's because I was a student at the time as well, so I had nothing ah. else to do. <laughs> but it's... So it's directed by Jim Jarmusch, written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, and stars Murray's this guy, Don, who's like a kind of... Uh, perennial bachelor is just about to enter retirement having made some money doing computers or electronics or something yeah and he receives this letter from uh, it's kind of an anonymous letter saying that he has a 19 year old son that he's never known about um and he's going to kind of dismiss it but his neighbor kind of who's a bit of a uh, who was his neighbor uh jeffrey wright the guy that plays felix Leiter in casino royale ah okay He's like a kind of like a crime novel enthusiast. So he encourages him to go out on this yeah. adventure. So he sets out on this thing going around, I think it's five former girlfriends that he's had over the years to try and see if it's, if, if it's any of them, if they yeah. sent the letter to try and reconnect with his son and stuff. So again, I don't want to give too much away, it, but it's just, it's, it's this really beautiful journey of like discovery and at the same time visiting his like deep past that he's tried to forget that obviously you see why He's probably broken up with these women as and when you meet them. And it's got a great cast. Um, Tilda Swinton is there, uh, Chloe Vigny. I think Sharon Stone might be one of the other ones as well. Mm. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's slightly tragic and like melancholic in places, but Murray's just amazing, as yeah. he always is. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Number three for me was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. So we've, we've Next. Covered that. <laughs> um, number two is a film that I've spoken about a few, quite a few times before 
is a film called Away We Go. I haven't seen that. Blank look. Blank look. <laughs> if you've never seen this film, please, please seek it out and watch it because it's absolutely wonderful. Okay, I'll watch it after The Wizard of Oz. Okay. You put it on your, yeah. your roster. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's a it's a Sam Mendes film about this this kind of couple in their 30s called Bert and Verona who are played by the wonderful John Krasinski who's in the American version of The Office. He plays Tim's character. In the American version of The Office. It. He's great. And Mia Rudolph who's the bride who gets married in Bridesmaids and she's from like Saturday Night Live and she's actually married to Paul Thomas Anderson as well which I, I find weird. Um, there you go. But anyway, th- this couple, Bert and Verona, they discover they're going to have a baby. And this coincides with hearing the news that Bert's parents are going to sell their house and move to Europe to live in Belgium. Nice. Um, which kind of devastates the couple because the only reason they, they'd settled in this particular area of the country was so that they could be near Bert's parents because Verona's are both tragically dead. So this kind of sets them off on... A journey to try and visit friends to find a new place to live a new part of the country and try and figure out where the where the is best to raise this child and it, to me it's it's one of the most beautiful exposés of like a loving and still flawed but real relationship that i've seen in a hollywood film in a long long time the chemistry between the two leads is both believable and inspiring and you feel like you're with them every step of their way in the journey it's it's funny it's sad it's quite moving and yeah, it's a terrific, terrific film. Um, so I know I've spoken about it a few times, but if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Nice. Number one for me Ooh. is Sideways. Is that the one with Mr. Rhino? Paul Giamatti yeah. you're referring to. Yes. It is absolutely, without doubt, one of my favourite films of all time. I've is watched it, the it wine so one? many times. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's so, so good. Uh, the basic story, for those of you that haven't seen it, Miles, who's played by Paul Giamatti, who's mm-hmm. playing uh, Rhino in the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man 2. He takes his old college roommate, Jack, who's played by another Spider-Man ex-alumni, Thomas Hayden Church, who was Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Oh, yeah. Looks really a bit like Lee Evans. Villain. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's like a ripped tall version <laughs> yeah. of Lee Evans, yeah. So the two of them go to California wine country on a stag weekend before Jack, that's Thomas Hayden Church's character, gets married. And Jack's only goal over the weekend is to get laid one last time before right. he gets married. So it sounds a little bit base and a little bit dull from that description, but it's honestly just this fantastic exploration of male friendship and the realities of life matched against your expectations because both of these men are kind of middle-aged. They've been through quite a bit. Yeah. Um, life, you would say, is just about to start for one, but for the other, it's kind of ebbed away from its peak, which was a number of years ago. And I guess it's darkly funny in certain places and quite chokingly poignant in others. And it also has one of my all-time favourite movie scenes from like any movie ever, which is quite near the end, so I'm not going to give anything away. But to me, it feels like this one moment has been slowly built up to through the whole movie. And it just, well, for me anyway, it just kind of floored me emotionally when it reached the climax of that scene. And it's very understated, very underplayed, it's the, there's no real huge amount of emotion from the characters on on the the set. It's just it's amazingly done, and I've really known any other director who can drum up such empathy for his characters as Alexander Payne. So yeah, if if you haven't seen Sideways, definitely check it out. Nice. So there's our top five. 
for me, there were also honourable mentions for Badlands, Natural Born Killers, Thelma and Louise, and Mad Max, but they just didn't quite make the list. Yeah, didn't make the cut. Yes. So, what's next? Movie news? Movie news. Good, because I've got nothing. <laughs> well, pretty much nothing has happened in the world of film in the last Apart fortnight. Apart from the uh, movie remake of Come Down With Me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you follow the Facebook page, we put it on there yesterday or the day before, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Drum up some interest in some sort of movie thing. There's been there's been literally nothing. Uh, I think I read somewhere that Robert De Niro had a touch of constipation this week. <laughs> Kira Knightley got a haircut. You know, there you go. There were a couple of stills released for different upcoming movies: X Men, Hobbit Part Two, and Thor Two, but nothing really that earth shattering. Did you see the new the Nokia exclusive trailer for Superman? No, I've stopped watching Superman trailers uh, just because I don't want to see any anymore. Ah. You can't really avoid them now. Whenever you watch any TV program that's longer than about eight minutes long, you'll see about 27 different TV <laughs> spots for Superman, <laughs> which is fine because it's all stuff I've seen already. But yeah. um, there was a 13-minute uh, featurette that was launched online a couple of days ago, but I've avoided that. I just don't want to see any more until I see it in the Why cinema. Why are they releasing that much? It's not It's not like 30 minutes of the film. It's yeah. like a 13-minute making of behind the scenes and oh, interviews right, thing. Okay, right. But again, I just, I don't want to know anymore at this point. I want to go, go dark. It just looks badass. And just go into it. It looks so good. I'm so excited for it. A couple of other bits of movie news. Uh, Apparently Mila Jovovich is in talks for Expendables 3. What are you going to say? What's that one she does? Resident Evil. Resident Evil 17 or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably in the pipeline as well, because that's the only film she really makes now. Well, well, talk about Expendables 3. We were talking about it last week, weren't we? Yeah. About Steven Seagal. Yeah. Apparently he's now the face of Russian arms dealing. I saw that. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. That's Seagal, you want to buy his weapons. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Apparently as well, though, Sylvester Stallone has said that he's already asked Jackie Chan, Wesley Snipes and Nicolas Cage if they're interested, but none of them have confirmed. Wesley Snipes would be good. I think Snipes would be awesome. Yeah. Is he allowed to come back and film in America yet? Uh, well, he's, he's, just been released, he's just been released from prison. He's yeah. just been released. Okay. He's got to pay his tax bill, so he yeah. needs to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One bit of tragic news that I read this week. Um, the Blade Runner sequel has got a new writer. Which uh, is, I mean, anything that starts off with Blade Runner sequels, just mm. bad news anyway. But the, the new writer is Michael Green, who we know and love from his film, The Green Lantern. Need oh <laughs> to video the uh, look on Finn's face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not complimentary. I'm just, I'm putting this out there for, for the listeners as well. Like, as, as a community, but also as a nation, can we just rally together to stop Ridley Scott making any more movies? <laughs> because all he's doing is... What was the last good film he made? Matchstick Men? It's a long time ago. All he does is make these exceptionally pointless, frustrating, and quite frankly, appalling sequels to his own masterpieces. Like, he doesn't need to revisit Blade Runner. He didn't need to revisit Alien if he wasn't going to do something new and exciting, which Prometheus mm-hmm. wasn't. It was an absolute waste of celluloid. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But the thing, because you. you Growing up, like so many of these Ridley Scott films are just like, they're absolute, like these will last for, for decades. Mm-hmm. These films like Blade Runner and Alien and Gladiator and you know, just the Hovis advert, you know, these things will go down <laughs> in memory as like amazing things. But it, it, you look at his work over the last couple of years and it's been stuff like Prometheus, all those endless stupid cop movies with Russell Crowe in them. And you know, it's just, I, I don't know what the man's doing anymore. 
Because he's a rich man yeah, living in LA, sitting by his pool, he doesn't probably need to do anything decent. I don't know. But anyway, it just makes me annoyed. Actually, the, the most exciting pieces of news this week weren't movie related at all. They were both TV related. One is of a TV show that I'm a massive fan of. I've spoken about just quite recently, Community. They've just announced that they're going to make season five, which after season four wasn't as good as the preceding first three series, which were amazing. Um, the guy who created it and wrote seasons one to three, but then yep. was kicked off <laughs> right. season four, is now coming back to do season five, Dan Harmon. Right. So that's really exciting news. Lovely. And if anybody out there is a, a community fan, you'll probably share my enthusiasm for that. And also Matt Smith is to leave his role of Doctor Who during this Christmas this coming Christmas special. I dislike Doctor Who. See, I I was really scared of it actually as a kid because I remember watching it when it was Sylvester McCoy mm. and th- there were just, I was like four or five years old and I just remember being petrified so I never watched it after that. I mean, they kind of stopped after that anyway and then when it started back up again, I just thought it looked a bit twee. Like the graphics were always a bit yep. rubbish and stuff. But about year and a half ago I ended up watching just randomly an episode uh, or was it a year about a year ago with Matt Smith in it and I thought it was absolutely brilliant it was yeah. so well written the graphics were great the performances were great by the cast that were in it at the time um, and I found myself tuning in uh, after that so yeah the Matt Smith ones are, were, were great some of the David Tennant ones I went back to try and rewatch them the Chris Eccleston series I just find too twee I can't That's watch it terrible and although he's good as the Doctor, I don't like Billy Piper and I didn't like most of the stories. But um, the David Tennant ones are kind of half and half. Some of them are a bit tween, stupid and childish, but some of them are really good, quite dark, quite heavy, quite interesting, the kind of mythos that goes with it. But the Matt Smith ones, almost to a T, have been absolutely incredible. Um, so if you want to try and get into Doctor Who, you should start watching from Matt Smith, I'd say. There's a few uh, casting rooms going around. What, what ones have you heard? <laughs> Helen Mirren. <laughs> I think something like that would be cool. Benedict I'll, Cumberbatch would be good. Yeah, would they have him in two the two biggest flagship <laughs> dramas of the BBC though? No, the imagine they, he'd be too uh, he'd be too good for Doctor Who. Yeah, well, I think he'd be too big for the role. Now. Yeah, he wouldn't come back because Sherlock you almost feels like a, a mini movie, you know? Yeah, because they're like hour long episodes. But I don't know. I think that I don't, I don't know what what the. Um, what the plan is but there's a, yeah i've heard rumors as well that it might be they might get like a black actor to do it or a, a, a woman mm. to, uh, to play the role so i don't know what will happen interesting yeah well we do a bit of trailer watch as well do you, what trailers have well, you watched i i think we need to come up with a name for this section for the trailers trailer um, teasers teaser teasers mall teasers mall trees mall trailers i don't know see th- this is where we need your help people listening um if you can get in touch on the facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash movie digest or tweet us at i haven't seen that uh with your suggestions puns are preferable and obviously movie related the best i could honestly come up with was to say the words trailer watch in the style of brian fantana from anchorman when he spins around and goes panda watch (laughs) but i don't think that's very good so there's a red band trailer released for this film called the to-do list this week Hmm. It was a pretty uninspiring week for trailers, to be honest, as well. No movie news, no real zazzy Nothing that grabbed you by the balls. Nothing that, that excited me greatly. Yeah, the Red Band trailer for the to-do list is uh, was came out this week. That was one of the better ones. Uh, starring Aubrey Plaza, who's in Parks and Recreation. It's just 
started showing it's an American TV show, but it's just started showing on BBC as well, which is, is really funny. It kind of looks similar to Emma Stone's Easy A. It's about this kind of like prissy, uptight girl that plans, uh, you know, tries to turn her life upside down, plans to have a lot of sex before she goes to college. But it just looks a bit kind of meh. Meh. Yeah. Um, the only other trailer that I saw this week which looked quite interesting was for a documentary called We Steal Secrets, the story of WikiLeaks, oh. which um, looks really good. It's, so it's directed by this guy called Alex Gibney, who's done a couple of superb other documentaries which are worth checking out, including Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Have you seen that one? Nope. It's really good. Um, and another one which is like a kind of political one called Client Nine, The Rise and Fall of Elliot Spitzer. It, it, they're, they're both amazing but uh, yeah it, it looks really good so it's a documentary about the rise to prominence of WikiLeaks you know the anti-establishment website with particular emphasis on Julian Assange mm-hmm. who's the kind of creator the yeah. face of WikiLeaks and his particular relationship uh, with Bradley Manning the US Marine who supplied a lot of wow. sensitive information to him uh, it's quite interesting it's coming out now because obviously Bradley Manning's currently on trial ah. for these crimes and in inverted commas don't know one way or the other um, for what he did and it, it kind of it looks like it kind of maps Assange's journey from becoming public being the face and growing into this character where he thinks he's completely untouchable nice. and obviously now he's still trapped in the Ecuadorian embassy in London yeah can't leave otherwise he'll be arrested or for fear of de- deportation to the states brilliant so um, yeah that looks like it could be quite interesting Mm. so what films have you seen this week i had planned to go and see the new vampire movie byzantium the other day but ended up going to a lebanese restaurant instead as nice. you do so i uh I, I watched a couple of films this week but they're slightly a couple of them are slightly older films one of them is very old i did end up at the weekend seeing the last stand the arnold schwarzenegger ah movie. yeah what did you think I thought it was mind-blowingly brilliant. <laughs> I told you you'd like it. Yeah, but I don't usually trust your taste in movies. Because, <laughs> Charming. Um, yeah, but uh, my flatmate's a big action fan, and obviously, like, you know, growing up, big Arnie fans, yeah. both of us, so we were like, oh, we'll check it out. And it was brilliant. I, I go as far to say, with Arnie in the lead role, it's probably the best film Arnie's made, I think, since True Lies. Possibly, yeah. Because... There's a couple of other ones, you know, like End of Days or The Sixth Day or something like that, which are a bit... Yeah. Cack. But yeah, I, but that's 1994 was True Lies. It's a long time 20 ago. 20 years. 20 years since he made a great, great movie. Obviously, he was in The, the Expendables too and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's not quite the same because it's an ensemble cast. He's not the leading man. I, I didn't really like the Mexican drug lord convict guy. No. I, I thought he was a bit weak. And also, I was quite bored whenever he was on the screen my yeah. favourite bits were all the bit in the yeah. town with Arnie and yeah. his his kind of gang of ragtag uh, yeah deputies deputies yes um, but I love I, yeah I love the rest of the cast it's always good to see Louis Guzman in anything is he the he's the Mexican guy with the moustache yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Forrest Whitaker is yeah. a brilliant actor and Peter Stormare as well he's mm-hmm. the he's the the Mexican guy's kind of henchman that's like the main bad guy in the town before the Mexican guy gets there. Right. Um, but he's been in not enough movies, to my opinion. He's in quite a lot of Coen Brothers films and he always meets a grisly end. He's in Fargo, The Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's in Jurassic Park 2. He's the one that dies with all the little dinosaurs eating him. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's 
fantastic actor. And also, as well, having grown up being addicted to Jackass as a teenager, I've always got a soft spot for Johnny Knoxville yep. as well. <laughs> so um, I think it takes a little bit of time to get going, but when it does, it's absolutely brilliant. And the climactic kind of shootout, yeah. the standoff in the, in the town is yeah. brilliant. Like it's and the bit on the bridge great. as well. Yeah, 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 that's great. The kind of mano a mano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you kind of made the point, though, when you watched it all those, those months ago, I remember you saying that you were kind of annoyed because... Oh, the basic premise is this guy during prison transit he escapes and starts driving this really fast car as fast as he can towards the Mexican border from yeah. Las Vegas why didn't anybody just use a stinger yeah. to blow the tires out Yeah, and also as well you know how because he's got a, a hostage in the car who's yeah. one of the other agents the FBI agents why didn't they just take the collateral damage and bomb the car Yeah, because he's killed how many policemen by the time he gets to the border yep so, like, why would you not just take... If he's doing that and killing people, kill one more inside, you know, take the hit. Yeah. I don't know. And also another thing that kind of annoyed <laughs> me at a plot point, how can you drive from Las Vegas to the US-Mexican border without stopping for petrol? Because I yep. wouldn't have thought that the car that he was driving and the way that he was driving it would have the sensational fuel economy that the film suggested. Yeah, the... What is the... The Bugatti Veyron, if you hit... If you floor it, it will empty its fuel tank in 13 minutes. So there you go. It just he, There's no way he could have done it yeah. without stopping. <laughs> but I get that you kind of have to go yeah. with it. I saw this amazing thing. So I don't know if, um, if anyone else has got the app for iPhone and Android, which is called Vine. Mm-hmm. But I, I discovered this just recently. And um, the vast majority of Vine videos, Vine, for anybody that doesn't know, is like this kind of social networking tool where people can make and upload videos, which can be no longer than six seconds. Especially in, Twitter in for video. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And most of them are a bit bland, you know, they're a bit stupid. But there are certain people who have using the format to absolute perfection. Yeah. So one of my favourites is this Canadian comedian called Will Sasso, who does a whole series of, in his car, he films himself looking, driving out, but pretends he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so some of the ones he does are absolutely amazing. He, um, you know, he's like, when there's, there's one that when he passes, he just looks out the window and you see all these like really good looking girls out the yeah. side of the window. And it's just him passing going, yeah hi yeah hi oh my yeah, god hi. Arnold's in the room <laughs> there's another one as well where there's a song playing and it's like da 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 oh sweet Caroline <laughs> la 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 wow. so if, if you want to check them out on YouTube just google Will Sasso Arnold Schwarzenegger car and it'll come up but they're they're, they're really funny they're well worth watching nice. yeah and another film that I watched this, this week which is from slightly earlier on this year is this film called Pitch Perfect <laughs> which is kind of like a mix between Glee, Bring It On and Bridesmaids. The story of an all-girl a cappella group who are trying to qualify for nationals because of a disastrous performance the previous year. And they're finding it hard to recruit new members, so they end up with this kind of random collection of ragtag girls. Doesn't sound like my kind of movie. I absolutely loved it. And I don't know what's wrong with me. I think my spirit animal might be a, <laughs> an adolescent girl, you know? It, it, it's actually a fairly standard kind of teen movie plot revolving around, you know, girls and boys and with these kind of obvious and likable characters. Um, but it, it was way above average. The cast are really good. There's some genuinely funny standout moments as well. It's, it's worth watching almost purely for the performance of Rebel Wilson as well. Who? Rebel Wilson. She's this Australian comedian who was in most people would probably know from Bridesmaids. At the start of Bridesmaids, 
Kristen Vig's character is living in a flat with Matt Lucas from Little Britain and Matt Lucas's weird sister, who's played by Rebel Wilson. Right. And in the movie, she's called she's this character called Fat Amy, um, and <laughs> nice. she calls herself Fat Amy. And they're like, "So you actually call yourself Fat Amy?" She's like, "Yeah, it's so that Twiggy girls like you don't call me it behind my back." <laughs> but she's got these incredible lines. Another one of my absolute favorites is. Um, the leader of one of the rival a cappella groups attacks her with a burrito at one point. Yeah. And she's like kind of floored by it. And she, and then she's just like, Oh, I want to kill him. I want to finish him like a cheesecake. <laughs> it's like, it's just, she's got these great lines. I thought most of the characters, although they kind of like fit to fairly well trodden teen movie archetypes, were all quite genuinely engaging. And they, they brought quite a lot to their roles. I also thought the message, particularly for younger views and young girls in particular, was really positive because it looks at themes of you know patriarchal metaphors finding yourself and your independence loving yourself for who you are friendship relationships gender roles misogyny social norms conventions but it did a really good job tackling most of those for the most part so yeah nice Uh, one other film that i saw this week just which is a really really old film i haven't seen it for about four or five years and i don't know why i had an inkling to watch it but it's the crow have you seen The Crow? Oh, years ago I watched yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I think probably because of the style and, you know, the, the set design and the subject matter and stuff, it's, it's got this weird dichotomy of being a cult classic to some people and a bit of a joke to others. You know, Have you ever seen the South Park episode where Satan has a sweet 16th no. birthday party? And he has that like a Halloween fancy dress thing. Um, and then he's like, anybody that comes dresses the crow is not getting in. <laughs> Every Halloween party, there's always like 15 guys that turn up because all they want to do is get laid. And it's pathetic, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. But uh, it's it's a really, really good movie. Brandon Lee's amazing in it. Obviously, he, he tragically died on set um, yep. during the making of it. But watching it, it was actually really interesting because I, to me, it seems to have actually influenced in part or in, in 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 a great way a lot of other movies that have come after it which i've really enjoyed like blade the matrix um and even the dark knight because when i was when i was mm. watching it you see brandon lee's character and compare it to the way heath ledger's joker looks and went about his business yeah. in the film i wouldn't have been surprised if that was a major inspiration for heath yeah, ledger possibly, yeah. so yeah i enjoyed that nice i took charlotte to the cinema and we saw epic oh how was it yeah it was really good was it epic it wasn't that epic, but, um, <laughs> especially the story of a girl who goes to live back with her dad who has been living out in this house for ages because he's convinced that there are little people living in the forest, but mm. no one else believes him until she goes into the forest and magical things happen and she gets made small and she can get involved in the world as well. Mm. Amazing. Um, Christoph Waltz was the bad guy. Oh, amazing. Which is good. Um, oh, what's the Irish guy's name that was in phone booth? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Uh, he was the, the handsome hero of the piece, so he was. And Beyonce was the queen. Nice. Which, she was awful. In really? It. It's, it was weird. She sounded like she was reading a different script to everyone else. <laughs> she sounded completely disconnected from everyone. Really? Um, it sounded like she recorded her lines and then they had to rewrite the scripts and she refused to re-record, re-record the mm. lines. Bit strange. Like, she's not in it very often. But yeah, the animation is superb. Like, the everything is amazing in it um it, it looks really good uh, the cinematography of it if you can call it such a thing i suppose mm-hmm. is it looks like a proper film mm. not like an animation <clears throat> the music was brilliant done by our favorite composer danny elfman right okay but yeah. it was 
Danny Elfman on about 80%, <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay. So yeah. it sounds like his sort of stuff sounds... Was it maybe something that he'd have and he just gave them off cuts to yeah, something else? Yeah, because okay. it's you, you can hear some of the hooks from like Spider-Man and stuff in okay, there, but okay. it wasn't quite... It didn't. It wasn't like a batman Danny Elfman, the B-sides. Yeah, definitely yeah. the B-sides. But yeah, it's a good film. A little bit of a twisty ending at the end, which I wasn't expecting. Um, it's the best place to have a twisty ending, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, it's best. It's best. Um, but yeah, it's very enjoyable. From the trailer, it looked a little bit like there were quite a lot of similarities with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Even like from some of the shots and stuff like mm, that? No, not really. The, okay. the only similarity is she's small and she goes back into the house. Yeah. Um, they were quite clever with the cinematography. They use, It looked like they used different lenses. Obviously, it's virtual, but yeah. they used different angle lenses when she was small. So everything looks a bit weird, oh, okay. which is really clever. But no, it's not like she doesn't end up in a giant bowl of Cheerios or anything. <laughs> <laughs> or um, riding yeah. a giant ant or anything. No, like no. No, they do ride um, birds with little saddles. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that's good. That's well worth watching if you've got children, obviously. I think it's the kind of thing that I don't think you need to be snobbish with stuff like that. I think yeah. if it looks good enough, then yeah, I'd definitely go and check yeah. it out. Oh, it's I got... haven't yet. And I'd only probably go and see it in the evening once all yeah. the... The kids have gone to bed. <laughs> and it's got um, the Irish guy from the IT crowd in it. Oh, Chris O'Dowd. Oh, yes. He plays a slog, so sorry he does. He doesn't talk like that. No, he doesn't. He can't do his accent. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's in it. He's funny. He's the comic relief of another guy who I can't remember the name of. So they're, they're like the comic sidekicks that come along for the journey at the end. Um, so that's good. I also saw for the first time The Jungle Book. The first time? The first time. What? It was a DVD in the cottage that we had, so the kids watched oh it about goodness. a million times. It's oh, really good. Think? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. The animation is superb. They all look like, the way the animals move, they look like they've got weight to them. Yeah. And then we also watched The Lion King. Yeah. I thought that was worse than The Jungle Book from an animation point of view. Mm, I wouldn't go it doesn't, it doesn't look half as good as Jungle Book. I don't know if I'd agree with that because no. there were certain. Obviously, there's no real, there's no computer trickery in um, jungle. the Jungle Book, but no. in the Lion King, like the whole scene with the stampedes near the start with the wildebeest, I that was that computer bit. generated. All oh, right, okay. But the but actual character stuff with the dinosaurs talking, it doesn't look as good as Jungle Book. They haven't. It doesn't look like their animals have got weight. It, they just look like TV show cartoons, and the shading yeah. is weird on it. Yeah, well, maybe. I've watched these back to back, not so you haven't seen them Is together. It, well, because well, the Jungle Book's kind of got look, almost like a kind of sketchbook look Almost, to it. yeah. But they still move on screen a lot better than Lion King, hmm. which I found a bit odd. And the, the backdrops were a lot better. Obviously, Jungle Book's got lots of jungle everywhere. Yeah. But it, what was painted looked nicer than Lion King, yeah. I thought. Yeah. What were your favourite songs from the Jungle Book? All of them. All of them. I love when people say that as an answer. Um, Everyone. I think one of my favourite ones is, uh, well, one of my favourite scenes is the one where Mowgli meets the the elephant troop with Colonel Hathi. Yeah. And they're going, hop, two, three, four, <laughs> give it up. Um, Colonel, if you please. But I, lo- I love how, like, mental, he reminds me of um, Major from uh, Faulty Towers. Yeah. Quite a bit, like this dotary old army yeah. uh, guy, but completely lovable in his own way. You know, but, um, Shere Khan's voice is brilliant in that. Yeah, such a deep voice. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Can't remember. But there, well, there was a couple of actors in that that, that came back to do other Disney films yeah. as well, because the guy that voices Baloo also did Little John in Robin Hood and a couple of ah, other voices yes. as well. 
very famous um, voice actor. Again, the name escapes me just now. But yeah, they're they're all incredible. I love it. and also as well it, at the end of the the scene where they're dancing with King Louis and the monkeys. Yeah, and like uh, Baloo, they're trying to rescue Mowgli from the monkeys, but Baloo just can't yeah. resist the temptation to join <laughs> in, and he busts in trying to look like a monkey with like a yeah, coconut yeah. on his nose and a hula dust. And um, you know, at the end where it's like it all falls apart, he's skip a dibby dooby doo May <laughs> <laughs> and the vultures are supposed to be the Beatles. They are the Beatles. No, it's not the Beatles. Oh, is it not the Beatles? No, they okay. was going to be the Beatles, but then the manager said to John, "Oh, do you want to do this film?" John went, "No, I don't want to do that." So they're not in the movie, but they'd already started doing the animations. That's why they look oh, like okay, the Beatles. Okay. Ah, you see, yeah. movie trivia for you. There you go. Yeah. So that's all we've got time for on the movie digest. If you want to get in contact with us, please do so with the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the movie digest, or I haven't seen that on Twitter. If you listen to this, please give us a nice review on iTunes. It's always nice to see some lovely feedback from you lovely people but apart from that I've been JQ and I've been Finn ciao bye